Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. Today we have a very special guest connected to us through Kim DeCesar, if you remember from episode 22. Sarah Ugeo has played with Standard Liege, Olympique de Marseille, PSV, as well as the Belgian national team. In addition, she has conducted research on the impact of sport on social relations and community development, which was accompanied by field work in Senegal. Her story of determination, passion, and selflessness makes this episode a must-listen. Hope you enjoy. So, welcome to Footwork, Sarah. It's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you. Happy so, um, just just to give some people some background on who you are, where you're from, uh, maybe just the early beginnings of, of football in your life. Um, give us give us the spiel, I guess. Uh, yeah, so I'm born in I was born in Belgium, and I've basically lived in Belgium most of my life. Um, and I started playing football on a military base where my mum worked and where we went to school, my brother and I. Mm-hmm. Um, I started at five years old with football, and at the same time we were also doing basketball. My dad at the time was a basketball coach. So those were the two sports. And then uh, my brother decided to play in a club outside of the base. And I followed him because I basically followed him everywhere at that point. And, um, and yeah, and that's how I got into it. Nice. Basically. With any older sibling. Yeah. I mean, I was the same way. I'm sure Sean was the same way. You just yeah. follow the older sibling. Um, exactly. So I didn't, I actually, that's, that was a, a interesting point. I didn't know that basketball was, I guess really even so popular at all or did it just happen because your your father played it yeah I think it just happened uh because he played because my uncle also um played and Mm. the fact that we were on this uh, military base it's a NATO base so um a lot of American uh influence and Mm. and so they would offer quite a big um extracurricular sort of uh, program uh, in which basketball was. And yeah, my dad started coaching um, as a volunteer. And I guess that's that's why I can't really remember mm-hmm. the exact uh, moment, but yeah. So following your brother um, in football, was it something that you were drawn to or were you just drawn to because he played it or was it a, was it a bit of both? I mean, I guess it was definitely at first because he played it. So there wasn't really much thought behind it. But then mm-hmm. um, I think I had a certain ability already when I was younger um, mm-hmm. for sports. And then it became slowly became my thing. Mm-hmm. And through the years, he, he ended up just stopping and I continued. So it became, so, it became mine. <laughs> <laughs> of course. And so um, I read that you said that until you were 14, you were playing with the boys clubs was that something that was um unique to your experience or did a lot of um girls growing up have to play because of a lack of teams or resources or things like this yeah in in belgium uh, most girls from my generation would have played with boys there wasn't enough girls playing at the time to to make girls teams and even if a club had a girls team the competition there wouldn't there wouldn't be any other girls teams to play against mm-hmm. so most of us did grow up playing with the boys and most of us 
probably stopped around the same age because right. that's the age where we could no longer move to the to the upper upper age groups with them mm -hmm. and that's where we would have to find a, a girls team okay that was a sad moment yeah of course and so and so then yeah go ahead sean yeah how how was I would imagine when you go from, you know, playing with the boys at 14 to then going onto all girls team, was there a drop off in like, you felt like the speed of things were so much, or you were ahead of everyone else compared to the other girls on your team? I remember the first, um, the first feeling, like the first few feelings I had uh, with the, with the girls was I, I, I played right back at that, at that moment. And most of most of my career, I played midfield, but then I was I was a right back, and I remember being able to to just dribble past everyone, and and create actions in front. Like I just felt so much, yeah. I guess physically more apt, um, I guess, and that that definitely came from the from the boys, mm -hmm. for sure. I see. So how did that transition happen into? I mean, ultimately, you break into some professional squads, but in between where it's tough to make that transition when the boys jump to uh, another team. So what happened there when that age came about? Uh, wait, I don't quite get the question. So, so just like happened? the in-between years before, um, you know, getting into the professional leagues, you said there's a time when the boys go off to play with, with teams and things like this, but the, the lack of teams for the girls kind of, I guess girls start to to quit and find other things. So, how, what what yeah. happened with you? So I went on to play with a girls team at fourteen. So the girls team that was actually in they integrated a girls team within the club, a women's team actually, mm -hmm. um, who were in third division at that point. So it was already a national okay. level, and so I started playing them, playing with them at fifteen. Mm -hmm um because that's the legal time you can play I, I couldn't play with them at 14 in the league mm -hmm. um and yeah division three so that was already quite good and they were actually one of the, the better teams in that in that league mm -hmm. um so yeah I didn't stop and most of those girls would play I mean it wasn't it was competitive but it was mostly more for like what you say in Belgium the third half which is Mostly, okay, you play the game and then you spend so much time after the match in the, in the, in the canteen thing or whatever mm -hmm. there is. Mm -hmm. Just uh, it's mostly like team building, doing stuff after the game and stuff like mm -hmm. that. It's, it, wasn't, it wasn't very like, professional. It was a great experience, but it was, yeah. And I was also the youngest. We were two girls of 15 and the others were... I think minimum five years older than us. Some of them were like 15 or 20 years older, older than us even. So oh, okay. yeah, it was quite a strange, it was, it was, it was a great experience. I only stayed one year in that club before mm. getting called up to, to play in Brussels. Okay. And um, during these, during these years, did you, I mean, was it in your mind where you focused that you would try and become a professional or was it something that you weren't really thinking about? You were just enjoying your time playing and playing at competitive levels? Yeah, so no, I, I definitely, it took me time to realize actually that I could become professional. So it was definitely more of a hobby, uh, a passion 
uh, something that I would do after. So after after school, and then I went on to study uh, university. So it was after university, and then went on to work. So it was what I do after after work. It was the thing after, like the the thing that you you spend your day thinking of probably, but it's not. Didn't really imagine being able to live um, off of it. So yeah, it right. stayed a hobby for quite a while. And then when did it finally become uh, your full-time job or what you thought of first? It was not the thing on the back burner. So that was many years later. I After this uh, one year, my first experience with the girls, mm -hmm. I got called up to the team that actually won that league that year. So it was mm -hmm. a team in Brussels um, where I stayed for seven seasons. What was the name okay. of this club? This is called White Star. Okay, White yeah. Star, it's been in Brussels. Um, mm -hmm. They used to have a men's team that were went up to second division. Mm -hmm. uh, now they no longer have a men's team. It's it's uh, only a women's uh, club and girls. Mm, okay. They have quite a good academy. And uh, yeah, stayed there. Had like built all my like a huge nice friends group. It was quite a, like sort of a, became sort of my family away from my family. And it was also not far from my school um, that I decided to stay, stay in Belgium and study in Belgium. And yeah, it became comfortable. And I really was not thinking during those during that time about being a professional. But then the the league in Belgium changed. So we we ended up being in first division and played in first division for about six years. Um, we were never at the top. We were usually between there were like 14 teams and we would usually maybe maximum finish maybe 10th um but then yeah they changed the league and decided to join with the netherlands okay. so okay. it they called it the bene league mm -hmm. and so that meant that there was going to be a first division that we were in but there was a, a, a division above uh with the netherlands and the best teams in belgium would go in there and uh, the teams of the Netherlands and my club at that time decided not to join. I think there were there were a lot of um, things that they had to do. You probably had to pay more money. I'm not sure yeah, what the I'm criteria sure. was, but they they decided not to go in. And that's when I thought, no, I, I still want to play at the top division. Like I was comfortable, but I was still happy being in the top division. Mm -hmm. So that's when I decided to change uh, clubs and still be in a club that was in that top that new um, that new league. Mm -hmm. And that's probably when the that's when the switch. That's when I switched. So you just you thought like I was it was it you you having too much fun competing or you just had a, a drive to to see like how far you could go and that, and who you could play against. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. I think it, it, it's that, and I was very happy. I mean, I was happy being the underdog. I there's something I love in that, and I know a lot of people uh love that underdog thing so i was happy but i like being the underdog uh playing against the top um mm. the top teams so right. i think that's kind of what drove me to 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 join a team that was joining that league because i want i it was still a team that was quite underdog we, we we would finish also uh near near last but there was still that challenge of being the underdog and trying to 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 develop um and trying to get some points against those big, uh, those big teams. Right now, and and in this new league, was there relegation at the end of the season? 
no so it was a project it was a three-year project and there would there was no relegation like some teams came in some teams went out but it mm. was for other reasons it was mostly financial financial reasons right yeah. and how did you how did you find the level the difference between uh the league just in belgium and then when they combined it to the, the yeah. best teams from both uh the first season you it was clear that the netherlands had a much higher level um one of our teams which was our teams called standard liege it's a belgian team they were they were usually on top with the Ajax, uh, PSV, Twente, and then so you'd have the Belgian team that was within those Dutch teams, all of the Dutch teams, and then all of the Belgian teams. That was basically the first season. That's what it looked yeah, like. Mm-hmm. Wow, okay. Yeah, and then the second season. What well, that that time was a bit of a weird time for me because, um, so like I said, I still had to work. I'd finished studying and I still had to work. I started working at this uh, in a women's in a women's shelter, um, which meant that I had to work nights and weekends. Like I had, it really was wasn't a really good idea to combine that with uh, with football in retrospect. But I felt like I could do it, and I and I felt like my level at football was was really really good. And I felt like I was developing and, uh, but then I got injured and probably mainly because I was just tired physically mm-hmm. um, of running, uh, literally running between, uh, between work and football and not mm-hmm. getting enough rest. Mm-hmm. And I got injured and quite a bad injury. It was uh, my, I tore my, my knee, my ligaments in my knee. And uh, I thought, at that moment, I thought that it was over and I was quite okay with it because I hadn't been a professional and I hadn't really put much thought into being professional. So I was quite okay. I was sad, obviously, but I was quite okay with imagining a life without football. But then like a month later, that top team I talked about, Standard, mm-hmm. um, called me, the coach called me and asked um, if I, you know, if I wanted to come meet with them and to discuss a possible contract with them. So I thought, wow, my first reaction was, okay, you're crazy. Like I, I just got injured <laughs> and I'm out for like nine months. Why are you calling me? Um, and I was literally um, just like kind of hopping. I was with my crutches getting on a train to go to my physiotherapy. Like, and they called me on the train and I thought, what are you, I think you, you've mistaken me for someone else. <laughs> And they're like, no, no, we, we counted and we'll need you fit for October. So this was in January um, wow. because October's Champions League. And I was like, whoa. So I just, I thought, okay, yes, I'll meet with you. Yeah, for sure, definitely. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then I, it turned football back on in my, in my mind. And, and that was kind of the switch. That was definitely the, the moment where I thought, wow, this is okay. I'm, I'm going to go for it. And how old are you at this moment? Uh, 2014, so that would make me um, 26. 26. Yeah. Okay, all right. And I bet, I bet that oh. first you said you were on the, you're on your way to the physio. I bet you worked very hard that first day at the physio, trying to get yeah, get ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I worked hard, and I actually, it didn't take me nine months to get back. It took me six months and a half. Wow. Yeah. wow. So you were yeah, able to join them in preseason. 
yeah yeah actually yeah so playing with so playing with the other teams you mentioned you weren't full-time professional since you had to or you chose to but still you had to have some type of um working wage um working at a women's shelter pocket money basically Mm -hmm. okay but then this transition into this this was since they were a bigger team and you know participating in things like the champions league this was the first full-time thing where you didn't have to do anything on the side or um no this wasn't full-time so at that time in belgium and even now actually i think very few players have full-time um like contracts with on which they could actually Mm -hmm. live Mm -hmm. uh so this was part-time okay professional professional work contract but part-time so Mm -hmm. could not i still had to do something on the side um in order to live does that mean that the trainings were at six or seven o'clock at night yeah Trainings were okay. at evenings and Saturday morning. That was that was a fun one. So <laughs> I mean, Friday evenings usually. Okay, I see. So I would love to to talk about that rehab process just a little bit because coming back so soon, I think is, I mean, do do you attribute that to being so focused, working with the right people, and things like this, just having the right mental, you know view of it because you know when people get injured it, it can take quite a toll on them but were you able to see i uh, have this opportunity i have something to work towards and then it made it easier um i think it was a mix of things it was very new to me that i I'd never had a bad injury and haven't had an injury um like that since so it was a, a new experience which i think i'm someone that that kind of likes and likes the challenge of a new experience. Mm-hmm. So there was that. There was obviously this call that came quite fast from uh, from the top team, um, and the physios. It was they were two young guys uh, that worked. Uh, it was a partnership that they had with the club I was in at the time. And at that time, so they were really, really good. They were really, really good. A lot of energy, a lot of positivity. And at the time, uh, coincidentally, I think there were four other um, four other patients that had similar injuries and that were at a similar time. And so we had like a knee group and we would be together. Um, we would be working out together and um, progressing together and also people you can talk to. And it right. all kind of mixed up pretty well. And it, it made this sort of a sort of a harmony that that helped me that helped me progress, I think. Yeah, it was a mix of things. That's awesome. And also, there was a challenge. The challenges, like, when they would say, yeah, um, it's hard for people to regain, like, a to, like 100%, like, stretch in their leg and stuff like that. So I would push myself definitely as well for that. And they would mm-hmm. say, yeah, that's hard. So I, I, I wanted to push myself. To- right. You, like to, you like to prove. Yeah, you like yeah. to prove. Exactly, yeah. Awesome. So, uh, so you wind up getting back, thankfully, healthy uh, in preseason. How did that first season go? It went, it went, uh, yeah, it went, it went amazingly. Actually, that season, that was probably, probably the best season, one of the best seasons of my career for sure. Wow, awesome! Um, because I mean, the group was great. We we didn't do well in Champions League, so that was probably the one uh, downfall. But um, the whole experience was great. It got the group, uh, the group really bonded, and we were getting results, and we ended up winning that that league. 
So it was the last, that would that was the last year of this uh, project, the Benelik. Mm -hmm. And we this won. This was the in last 2015, 2016? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so we won, uh, yeah, we beat all those Dutch teams and, and ended up winning the thing. And it was also for me, like January of that season, I got my first call up to national team, which was quite, I mean, that was quite quick and that was another amazing thing. And that, I mean, I'm 26, so it's quite late to join a team. A lot of those girls were together for, for years before. So, so yeah, all that year was, yeah, that was quite success, successful. Were a lot of those um, girls playing abroad beforehand or were, were some of them, a lot of them still playing in Belgium too? No, I mean, at that time, most of the team were actually in, in, uh, in my team, in, okay. in the Standard team and okay. then a few others um, from around. I'm not sure if that year, I don't think maybe one or two were abroad, but it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a thing for us then. It started actually after that when we actually won the Bene League and then they stopped the Bene League and the girls that had more ambition and obviously the league, this brought the level down uh, immensely in Belgium. Um, mm -hmm. The girls that had more ambition at that point were thinking, okay, no, I have to go to another country because this is way less competitive now. Mm -hmm. And that's sort of when that movement started for, for us, I think. Okay. Is it is it is it just a coincidence that when a Belgian team wins the league that they they completely fold the league? What what's going on there? <laughs> that's a theory, yeah. That's a theory. Okay. But, uh, There's a conspiracy here. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it was heartbreaking for us. We thought, "What are you kidding?" And at the same time, our coach was saying that he was leaving. Um, he was leaving the team. Um, yeah, it was it was a bit weird we don't really understand how it happened i think the netherlands wanted to stop it mm -hmm. and then they came back on back on their decision like a couple months later and then belgium said no like you said no at first so so no which mm. is a bit stupid as well so i think on both sides there was a bit of a yeah. weird yeah, it could sense. be that they they were hurting their ego that a Belgian team won. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm just I'm just it's, saying it sounds like it to be honest. Yeah, and uh, I mean that's incredible about like you said about the national team because it seems like it was never on your radar. Was it was it ever a thought like oh I want to play for the national team one day or it kind of just uh, happened? Actually, when I was I mean, I guess you know I don't regret anything, but I was in the I was selected for the under 19s national team for a while. Mm -hmm. so when back when I was playing in White Star and it mm -hmm. really I I kind of hated it like I oh really okay the girls were great and stuff the coach was it was a woman um Anne her name was and yeah she was quite tough like she had you know tough love sort of thing mm -hmm. and I'm I'm joining into a group with girls again that were together in in all the other age groups and it's mostly Dutch um, at this point, I, I don't know how to speak Dutch. Uh, some of them they're speaking, speaking Dutch. Yeah, they speak. So it's Flemish okay. in Belgium. Well, yeah. You got French. The south is French. The north is Flemish, which is a, a type mm -hmm. of Dutch. And then mm -hmm. you've got the middle Brussels, which is supposed to be both languages, but it's mostly French. 
so yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really like it at all, and I ended up like skipping, um, skipping a tournament actually, and instead I went skiing. So that was what. <laughs> this wasn't was the Euros, was it? No, I went to the Euro. I went to okay. the. Um, I went to the under 19s Euros. That was in Switzerland. That was that mm. was a, a cool experience. But no, there was another. It was a game or a, or a camp. I think it was a camp. And I okay. said, no, I'm going skiing with my friends. Okay, you didn't even wow. make up another excuse. It was, it was, I'm skiing. No, yeah, that was my, where my mindset was at that age. I, mean, I was mm -hmm. 17, 18 years old. And I, and I really, because I didn't feel comfortable, I guess I, I just wanted to do things and, and have fun and not be somewhere where I'm, where I'm not comfortable. Mm -hmm. so I ended yeah. up just saying like after that I just ended up saying I don't want to I don't want to do this and I'd rather leave my my spot to someone who really wants to be there because mm -hmm. at that time I I, I didn't I didn't want to be there yeah that so makes yeah, sense was, like, the national team was really not on my radar especially having had that experience right mm -hmm. um that year I, I thought I'll never be in the A team. like this is <laughs> not after not after right the ski after trip was no, it a no, good ski yeah, trip? Okay, I'm on a blacklist, you know, so I'm never going to get, <laughs> I'll never be selected. I said no to you guys. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Lo logical thinking. Yeah. So, yeah Where'd you go skiing? Um, South, uh, South France, in the Alps, in French Alps. Awesome. Yeah. So that's that second time oh, around was, was, say again? It was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Okay. Oh, well, at least it was I a good ski three, trip. Yeah. Three, three, four years running. Like that was a thing every year. So. Perfect. That second time around, though, with the national team, um, you're a bit older, you're a bit more experienced. Was the culture also different within the national team? So you were able to kind of, I guess, fit in more or just feel more comfortable and more yeah, able to do your job? Like I was, I was definitely different and I already, I of course felt comfortable because a lot of the team were my teammates uh, with whom we were having an amazing season and a few of them ended up like still now being, being quite good friends and, and, and yeah, at that point it was a whole different, it was a whole different ball game. It was a whole different uh, feeling that I had. I f it, yeah, it felt way more comfortable. Definitely was not going to go on a ski trip. Yeah. It was yeah. There was no my thoughts focus, of that. My focus was 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 on on football. Right. So I read I read with the men's team is that they usually um or I think always try and speak English because of the different languages and they don't want to favor one. Was it the same at this age where it was English or is it a bit different? Well, again, that was probably a downfall. Again, it was a lot of Dutch, mm -hmm. a lot of. So in Belgium, I would say the north side, the, the Flemish part, uh, invested way more into sports in general. Mm -hmm. And so that meant way more into, into women's, women's sports and women's football. Mm -hmm. And so the development, the players coming out, well, obviously there were more, um, more apt players, higher abilities, uh, higher level on the north side so that made for a national team that was composed mostly of of uh flemish uh flemish girls mm -hmm. i think the most french speaking at, at one time was maybe maybe we, there were four of us okay. out of like a 20 23 player group so mm -hmm. that makes a small 
small percentage wow. of uh, French speaking. And I my would... Dutch at that point was still quite bad. And so, yeah, I would, I would speak in English. The problem was also that the coaches French and English wasn't that good. So our communication mm. was very limited, which mm -hmm. for me, like I, I put a lot of importance into communi communicating with people mm -hmm. and that kind of limited our, our relationship. So especially on a national team, you just wouldn't, I mean, I guess for us, uh, you know, it just wouldn't even be a thought like that communication would be tough playing for your home country. I think that's such a unique thing with, with Belgium that there's just, so I'm curious too. So when you're growing up, are people from the North learning French in school too, or, or, and people from the South learning Flemish or these things, are they kind of not at war with each other, but is there, are they kind of at odds with each other with which is going to be the most spoken? I think it will depend on where you are, um, okay. but I would say in a general, and this is bad for my, um, uh, for my side, so the south side, um, it's mostly the, the Flemish speaking uh, community speaks better French than the French community speaks Flemish, for sure. Okay, okay, that's, I see. What I, that's my experience. And you, and you learn this in school? We'll back that up. Hmm. And you learn this in school? So, yeah, you learn it in school, but I, I didn't even choose Flemish in school. I didn't choose okay. Dutch in school, which was bad for me. But because I was in, in this international um, school, well, it was a Belgian school, but we had a choice to, to choose German or Dutch. And I, when I had to choose, I didn't even think I was going to end up living in Belgium because both my parents are, are not Belgian, like, the rest of my family is like kind of scattered around um, around Europe mainly. Uh, so I thought, okay, I'll choose German. That's more that's way more spoken in the world than than Dutch. So why would I choose Dutch? So that kind of um, that kind of limited me as well. That choice, but that's a choice that you make when you're like twelve or thirteen years old. So I had no idea. Okay. And then how long? Do, how? Yeah. <laughs> and bisschen, uh, aber yeah. Can't feel forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually speak Dutch now. When I when I speak uh, when I try and speak dumb in German, it's uh, Dutch words that come out. So. Yeah. It's quite, There's it's some similarities, similar. right? Yeah. Yeah, very similar. Ah, so cool. Um, so back back to your your incredible season with the Belgium team. You guys win the league. Um, do you then leave uh, the country as well, amongst all the other great players in the league? So I stay, I stayed one more year um, just to try it. Um, we were getting a, a new coach. And so I thought, okay, I'll stay, I'll stay one more year. Um, but that didn't go well at all. Like I, I don't even, we won the league that year, but sadly I, I, I can't remember. I can't remember a lot from that season. It, it wasn't good. I, I didn't get along well with the coach um i mean not i mean i got along well but didn't really get his it, it kind of felt like he was there just to rebound to go to the to the men because the standard that club is is a is a huge men's club in the, okay. in the country mm -hmm. and that's kind of the vibe that it, it didn't really seem like he he cared that much i don't know mm -hmm. maybe it was just my my feeling but 
Mm-hmm. It didn't feel good, and I know uh, other players in the team didn't really feel good, especially the players that were there the year before, which was like completely different level. Mm-hmm. So after that season, I thought, okay, what do I want to do? What do I want to what do I, what do I want to do? And plus, the Euros were gonna were coming up in 2017. So I thought, okay, I want to get better. So I decided to leave. That's that's when I decided to, to look elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so you go to France, correct? Yes, yes. Uh, so how I did that a, come about? Um, that came about, I have one of my good friends from national team, Janice. She, she actually plays in Lyon right now, Janice Kaiman. Okay. Oh, wow. Massive. Yeah, she, yeah. yeah. Um, she, play, she had been playing in France for, for a few years. Mm-hmm. And one of our old teammates, I had met, uh, some of her teammates and one of her old teammates was going to was playing in Marseille in second division mm-hmm. and they were going up into first division so I contacted her uh, just to see what was possible and and ended up going I had a job at that point I was working at another job in a kindergarten school um, and I just ended up like taking a day off and going down to Marseille testing uh like just practicing so they can see no one no one knew me like you, french girls like french um french competition had no have no idea about belgian players so mm-hmm. i did this test and they they really liked me and they offered me a contract and then i took the train back up to, to after Brussels. one day I worked the next day <laughs> wow yeah, what did you did, did did you tell your students <laughs> uh not my students but yeah my colleagues and stuff they were there was okay. this one one of the guys was, was a huge like om uh, om fan so he was like whoa my god oh he's probably so yeah he's so excited yeah. that's so, amazing yeah, i didn't actually realize uh, how om i didn't actually realize how many actually belgians are such fans of of, of marseille and how big that that club is in, in many many um, many people's minds here. I had no idea until mm-hmm. I I signed there, and the mm-hmm. first pictures were coming out, and they were like, "Oh my god, that's crazy! Oh, she plays at, at OM, blah blah blah." That was a yeah, it was a huge realization for me. I, I had no idea. Just is I, that a thing? In, is that a thing right. in Belgium where they follow uh, like the French league or the the league in Netherlands a bit more than the league in Belgium? depending yeah, on well, where you live real, i think real football fans would also follow the, the the belgian league but but yeah they definitely follow france at least france i would say france more than the more than the, the netherlands big historical clubs and i mean you, you do in the netherlands as well but on my side i guess on more more so on the french part of belgium right they would be like either P- huge psg fans or huge uh, marseille fans mm-hmm so this transition from from Belgium playing at Standard and then going to France and playing for Marseille, did you feel such a difference in terms of the level of the club, whether it be just the facilities, the teammates, the training, the coaches, the fans? Was it a huge step for you? Yeah, it was. I think more so because the league was way more competitive. Um, mm-hmm. The teams that we would play against were were stronger. Our team was good. Like we, they recruited ten players that season, mm-hmm. 
um, players that came from from good clubs like Montpellier, for example, which was a, a big club for girls and still mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, the group was great. The coach was was I don't even know how to describe him. He was so in, inspiring, but like, yeah, I never really had a coach like that. He was very like perfectionist. I'd okay. never really had that, mm -hmm. which um, helped me a lot. I learned so much from him um, in the sense of like, I, I'd never been a tactical player really. Like I, okay. I, I, I'd never until this point, of course, I'd pay attention to tactics, but I don't know. My 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 brain was more okay. I'll do it by instinct, sort of. And he mm -hmm. sort of opened this door to this this world of this tactical world of football. And in a way, because he he was so perfectionist, he he used words that I that I would understand, and that really helped my my game, especially as a as a midfielder. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, really not a lot. And we ended up finishing uh, fourth that season, which was an incredible achievement. Wow. Um, and he got like, he got the prize for best coach of the season. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, it was a huge season for us. Mm -hmm. And we, the best part was beating, we beat PSG at, at wow. in Marseille, so at home. And Sick. you were talking about the fans and that was when we really felt it actually is when we play teams, especially PSG, because there's this mm -hmm. huge rival between the two teams. Right. Mm -hmm. And so loads of fans came to watch that game, loads of them, and we beat them 2-0. Um, I, scored, I scored one goal that season and it was the one zero. Amazing. Oh, that's <laughs> great. What was the so, celebration? Yeah, that was, <laughs> I mean, actually, we thought we were going to like party until the end of the, like until morning, but we actually all tired around midnight. We were all dead. So we yeah, that happens sometimes, these tough games. You're like, oh, in our, I'm in done. Our mind, it was, in our mind, it was crazy, but no, we didn't, mm. uh, <laughs> we didn't really party that, that hard actually after. Um, so back, back to your, your midnight party ending um how was the how was the transition into france uh living there culturally uh football but also outside of football um it was quite tough uh, to be honest i at that time i'm 27 i basically have all my life in belgium my friends my uh, my, my parents uh, are here and so it's all a, it's all that i know at that point and it's quite i felt like in retrospect, was quite a late age to, to actually go and move to another country alone. Mm. Um, so at first, I, I guess I had that feeling of, um, of being homesick and, and stuff. Um, but then uh, one of the girls from the team that actually came from Montpellier lived like right by me. And she was also having those types of uh, feelings. Like she, she wasn't that far from home. She was like a couple hours, but it was still like her first time quite far away. Um, and so we, we got to talking and that's when things sort of changed for me. And then started going out more with the, with the girls, seeing them outside of football. And, and that, that really helped. Definitely. You feel um, like being comfortable with the teammates and, and people like this helped your performances on the field? Yeah, definitely. There's definitely a link. Um, if you're not feeling well, for sure, for sure, your performances are, are, are less are less good. I think you need mental stability, 
emotional stability. I think that's really important. That's probably things in, in certain teams and or sports teams in general that aren't really worked on enough. And yeah, yeah it should be an essential part of, of training, actually. Hmm. Sure, sure. And uh, at that time, was your French, was it already fluent or did you think it improves while you were in France? No, my French, my French is fluent. We went since I went to a, to a Belgian French school. Mm -hmm. um, so my French is actually probably better than, than my English because I, I went to school in French. Okay. And studied uh, later on uh, in French as well. So, wow. So, you know, at that time, my French is. Your English is impeccable. I can't imagine how good your French is. <laughs> did you uh did you learn english in school as well or your mother is also english so did you uh, speak my mom, at home oh yeah my my mum is english my mum's british she's okay. scottish she was born in scotland and uh and she lived in england so yeah okay. that's why we spoke english at home got it got it so, awesome yeah, yeah um so you played you played the season with marseille you guys did really well finished up fourth did you sign again for the next season? No, no. I felt at the end of the season, I felt um, I still felt a bit far from home. And at the same time, uh, PSV in the Netherlands uh, called me, so Eindhoven. Uh, where they were interested and I thought, okay, this could be a, a good, um, how would you say, a, a good compromise for me because Eindhoven is like, an hour and a half, two hours from Brussels. Okay. Um, and it's still quite a good level. So I thought, okay, I, I think, I feel like this is a good option. It's a bit closer to home, but it's still, you know, my own thing. And I still have my football um, career and I'm not playing in Belgium, which at the time is still really, really shit. <laughs> right. <laughs> really, really <Yeah>. shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> to, to give it blunt. Yeah. This whole this this whole this whole time, are you working with an agent or are you representing yourself in, in everything? No, I'm representing myself. <laughs> I mean, because I was late in thinking, okay, I can have an actual professional career. I never like the thought was never in me to have an agent. <laughs> mm -hmm. So which would, would have helped me definitely looking back. Mm -hmm. Would have helped me a lot of things like negotiate i suck at negotiating things like it's, it's not in which way are you are you too harsh like, or are you okay, too like okay give me whatever oh no, yeah i'm like okay oh wow i'm getting paid to play football yes okay whatever you give me i'll take okay. <laughs> never it's asking for more yeah or ha being really really scared to ask for more like really nervous before those mm. types of meetings and i right. think that definitely where uh, an agent is essential if if for, for sport development professional sport development and agents are yeah yeah i it's it's nice because you don't have to talk about those things like you yeah. don't want to talk about those things and then feel like okay i'm damaging my my um relationship with the club in some way where like yeah. my agent he or she can just you know be the bad guy be the bad yeah. guy and be like, no, we deserve more money and I'm just here to play. It's, it's, it was it difficult to juggle those kinds of things of um, having the stress of these or what's my next opportunity or what's my contract, but then also having to play. There's a lot of juggling going on. I found it difficult. I found it difficult. Um, yeah, because I'm, I'm, I'm not 
I'm basically almost in, incapable at this time of like selling myself mm-hmm. saying oh yeah I'm not like I'm worth way more than that I'm, I'm so good blah 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 like I can't really say things like that without mm-hmm. feeling really weird and awkward about it right so yeah it's tough to juggle that it's it's tough also because it's still women's football it's something that still has to develop so much and um clubs a lot of clubs are reluctant to 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 give more if they're not giving that much to other players they're reluctant to give more like it's it's not it's not at all the same as as for men i think it's yeah you don't really feel legitimate when you're actually talking and asking for things you feel like oh i'm asking for too much like they i i kind of got that feeling quite a lot in these in these types of negotiations mm-hmm. where it was Did- oh you're asking for a lot there and i'm like well no i'm asking for like a hundred more euros is that like how is like that? you can't afford yeah. this really yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. wow um so in P- uh, at psv were you speaking uh dutch there or was it mostly in english uh how how was the language there so yeah that was more these were the years so i stayed three seasons at psv and this is where I learned most of my Dutch. Actually. Okay. Um, I was still, yeah, I learned, I learned quite a bit in national team because as I said, the, the coach was, was mostly Dutch speaking. And so that meant team meetings were usually in Dutch. So my football vocabulary, vocabulary was quite, quite okay already. Mm-hmm. But then socially, I guess I learned my social Dutch more, more in PSV. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, the year that I arrived in PSV, they opened the door to, to quite a lot of other foreigners, and so it would def- it would definitely be half English, half half Dutch. Mm-hmm. So I'd still speak quite a lot of English. Right. And uh, this is where you met uh, Kim De Caesar. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So for everyone out shout there, out this is Kim. how. Shout out to Kim. This is how this conversation happened um was she the first american player that you played with uh yeah she was the first and then the same season another player samantha widerman uh came but yeah kim was the first american player and before you um before she came did you have um like an idea of america because at the time the national team uh or they still are but they were very strong in the world did you have like a, was there like a stereotype of what American players are like, or, you know, did you have an idea of what she was going to be before she came? I mean, I, I was for sure she was going to be like something from another world, I think. Okay. Because, because from, from afar as women, uh, football, soccer players, we, yeah, the States is a huge example for, for us. So knowing that this girl comes from the states played at duke played um played in the in the in the national league um i was like oh my god <laughs> this is going <laughs> to and effectively it was like it was it was a crazy encounter like okay on a personal level yeah we, we're still really good friends like and and i think that'll that'll stick for mm-hmm. for the rest of our time here on on earth so that that's pretty cool but also but on a purely football sports level it was a crazy encounter like the the way that the u.s i guess invest themselves um 
or her in particular, but after I played with Sam, I played with a few others in, in the other seasons, it, it all seems to come from the same thing. It's like the way that they work out that you mm. like take care of yourself, think of sports, like the whole, the whole mentality around it, it for me is different than, than Europe. And I learned so much from Kim. I learned so much right. from Kim. Right. on that level. Like she loves to, to go lift. Like she, yeah. she has these like, um, when we had to do planking, like all the girls, like Dutch girls, a lot of them, they, they really, they, they hate the, the physical training part. Mm-hmm. I was okay. I was more like, uh, okay, some days I like it, sometimes I don't. But Kim was like in love with it. She, and we would do like these uh, group planks things and she would be, okay, who wants to, who wants to talk now? Who has something to say? Let's, let's talk while planking. And everyone's like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> That's such That's a big college American. soccer. Yeah. 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 This is such an effort. And she was just like, okay, who has a planking uh, subject? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was very, it was like a totally different way of, um, right. of working out. And that really, that got me into it. Like now, yeah, I think, she, yeah, that helped me a lot. Like now, even without football, I, I, I'm really into working out and stuff. And that's definitely her. Wow. That's awesome. Another shout out to Kim. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember speaking to her about it when she first went over to Europe after a few seasons, she was saying that like the athleticism part of it helped her a lot because she, that's how, that was always part of her game, even in America. But then yeah. like she goes to Europe and everyone is just so technical. Like yeah. They're so good on the ball, but she also stands out. She's not as good on the ball, but she's just, an athletic beast she's very tall good in the air and Mm. you know it kind of balances it out yeah right Mm -hmm. exactly yeah she would say it herself like technically it wasn't her her strong point but she would she would make up for it like Mm -hmm. 10 times over because she would just not stop she would not Mm -hmm. stop she would always be there she would always be an option like you say she's great in the air she's great in challenges Mm -hmm. and yeah she would just not stop and that's due to her physical ability and that's due to training training yeah. and, and having that that mindset mm-hmm. which was right. really inspiring yeah. so back to the team experiences with with psv how were those first few seasons um in terms of level in terms of the group and and how you guys did in the league yeah so here the level i would say the first season was a bit i guess the level was a bit less than france at this point there are eight teams in the league Mm-hmm. I would say three, maybe four, uh, can compete for the top top spots, and and then four were not as good, just developing um, new teams, things like that. So that would make it a bit less the level a bit less high than um, than the France level. But the the investment in the girls' clubs especially at PSV, you could see there was a real opening um, to progress. And throughout those three seasons, I really saw a difference in of progression in, in each season. Uh, the first season, I think we finished third, third or fourth, maybe. I can't remember. Um, and then the second season, we were second, if I'm not mistaken. And then the last season, which was the COVID season, uh, we were first and we were on to, we were definitely 
I mean, I can't say that we would have won if it hadn't stopped the COVID, but we... You were in a position to at least. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It was, it was, we had a great team. So, so yeah, seeing, mm, so seeing from, I mean, from the beginning of your career towards the ender, the ender points of your career, seeing that difference in investment in women's soccer, um, did that mean a lot to you to see how far it was coming? Yeah, it did, um, definitely. But at the same time, uh, like my last few seasons, I also like sort of opened my eyes to to certain realities, and that was that was also with Kim and Sam and these 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 girls arriving from um, from countries where it's way more developed. Um, it opened my eyes to to how slow it's going as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I started. I maybe too late i don't know but at the same time i can't really change that but i started like um talking talking about it going to to the clubs and trying to to negotiate things to discuss things for the team and for women's football and and sort of starting to speak out about it um so yeah definitely happy to see that there's progression i'm happy to to realize because i'm sure it's not going to stop now like i can imagine in five years it's going to be totally different but for me, there's still a lot of like injustice that mm. still so far to come. Yeah. Yeah, we should have spoken out. I feel like maybe should have spoken out more about it, but mm-hmm. yeah, at the same time, there's always this fear and like, where's my place and what am I actually going to mm-hmm. talk about? And mm-hmm. it's it's quite a complicated a complicated position um, right. to be in. But yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about? Um, you said you were talking to clubs. Was it? You were talking to PSV or you were talking to other clubs and is this something that you still do now? As as for speaking out about Yes, um, for for speaking out can yeah, I would love to just talk yeah, a little so bit more about this. It would be the club so PSV definitely like the last two seasons and I would yeah, we we'd made this committee of players where where we would discuss things and things that are going well and trying to trying to you know talk to the, the the managers about things that should be like better for girls and mm. that was received quite well but again it sometimes felt weird having to ask for it yeah like just weird things like having access to the gym and stuff like that things that feel like should be like normal things but we have to ask for them so that was a bit but still, that's a sign of progression because they were open to it. And hearing now how it's going is is already completely different than how it was when I was there. So, and it's not that long ago. Right. Also, my last club that I went to after PSV, so where I retired uh, last year, um, that's I also spoke to them. So it's the clubs that I that I played in, basically, mm-hmm. um, at the end of of my career so i'd say these last three these last three years where i really found actual words and confidence to go speak to the the higher ups Mm -hmm. about about what is negative right it's quite hard to you know it's like the can we talk and you know answer right we have to talk (laughs) right it's also a difficult position when you're not when you're a bit maybe a younger player you know to be the pioneer to go to the club and say hey we want this, this, and this, and they'll say, yeah. okay, we'll leave the team, you know? 
yeah, so it's, exactly. it comes with age or maybe a leadership Experience, role where yeah. you can mm-hmm. yeah definitely came fun. with age and seeing like last season in in the belgian team i was in a team with i think the average age was like 19 and two of us were over 30 so they were all like between 16 and, and 19 years old wow and that also got me thinking about them and how you know i know i'm stopping i know that the time you know have leading a, a great life like financial security and stuff that won't be for me but but i i i want it to be for them i want right. it to be so it was yeah definitely gave you more more confidence to to speak out when you're speaking out for people and not just for yourself right right it's bigger than yourself yeah. And did you ever have uh, any thoughts or, or dreams to go to the U.S. and play? Because for um, us coming from America, it would like for Dylan and I, it's always like we got to get to Europe. But I'm wondering <laughs> if for, for women, it's the opposite. Like, oh, I would love to go to America and play. I mean, my dad kind of had that dream <laughs> for me, I think. Um, I, I thought about it, I think, because he said, OK, you know, go study in the States. Like you could definitely mm. get a scholarship. And I'm, I'm pretty sure now, knowing the system a bit better now, that I, I could, could, could have probably got a, a, a quite a good scholarship in a, in a good school. Mm-hmm. But no, I didn't, I, didn't, um, I didn't think about it. I didn't, it wasn't something that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not general. I know some girls definitely want it because football is such a huge thing for girls over there so mm-hmm. right another another um tough subject is always hanging up the boots so i just kind of want to touch into how difficult of that was it how difficult of a decision that was and being at your last club and just did you know it was the right time were you feeling it or is it something that you still kind of think about no i'm, I'm pretty sure it was uh, it was the right time um, what was difficult definitely was the moment of making the decision. Like I had a, I had quite an even list of of pros and cons. Mm. Um, what probably weighed in in the balance was the fact that the contracts we had an amazing season. Um, we finished second when the year before they had finished last, so we like exceeded expectations. And what they were offering um for me and for us um to stay was was not for me it was the same sort of contract and even in some regards it it felt like it was less um Mm. and that kind of that's when I actually had a, a a discussion with the club just to say what what are you doing like again not only about myself but this represents you're, you're making these steps um, into women's football, what you have to, you have to go all in. You can't step forward and then two steps back. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I had like this monologue for like five minutes. And that's when I actually made my decision was, okay, no, I'm not doing this. This is too tiring. It's tiring me physically, definitely, but it's tiring mentally as well because you have to start thinking about, you know, putting money aside, thinking about life, thinking about job security. And those are things that you can't really get yet. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's not especially the club. I know it's not the club's fault. And it's especially not the, the guys that I talk to. It's not their fault either because they're not making these decisions. Right. It's the system that, that has to evolve as well. Um, 
I think the only example, well, no, there are other examples, but the main example in Europe is Lyon. Lyon has that, had this guy at one point, he went all in and he thought, okay, we're investing into women's football, whether it's a risk or not, because it is a risk. It is a risk, uh, financially speaking. If you're, if you're in finance um, and you're just like, you're maybe just a robot thinking of numbers and stuff, it's a huge risk to invest in something that doesn't bring you money in the first years, but you want it to, to develop. So you, you, you know, you're taking a risk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, people, clubs, men's clubs are reluctant to do that, even though they have the, the money and the budget to, to, to do more. Yeah. Like right. you said, it, it's, it seems like in, in some of these leagues in England, I know the, um, the investment is coming, starting from the men's team, but it seems too late and they're still so, so yeah. far we need to come. Um, is there, is there some things that you think can be done in, in, in the, um, in the present time in the short future where that can really help not even just from, from, from these clubs, but I guess from, from football fans and, and players alike. Yeah, I would say, I would say speaking out more, I guess, I guess that's something that is starting to come out, especially with the, like through social media and stuff, you see teams. Yeah. You see teams sort of, how do you say, um, yeah, just saying what's going wrong, like open, you know, putting numbers up there, saying how much they earn and maybe make it a bit more public so people realize um, these types of issues. Because I think people don't really realize it. Like I didn't realize it for years because I was like, oh, it's football, like it's it's a sport, it's for fun, uh, it's passion. But then slowly it came to me like, uh, no, like, should be getting more we're not getting as much as we give so oh, yeah. i think that's something that that should be done more definitely by players but also by 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 supporters if they if they realize um what's going on then yeah just or, or maybe more support from them them then like just come to see our games come to see yeah. women not only in football in in other sports as well mm-hmm. It's something that's common to 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 a lot of uh, to a lot of women's sports. So. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about uh, a bit of what you've been doing outside of uh, of football um, in terms of the work in developing nations uh, with football. Uh, could you give us a bit of insight in that? I know you studied in Senegal, correct? I didn't know. So I studied in Belgium. Belgium. Um, okay. I- to yeah i for my thesis i decided to join my my two like occupations at the time which was football and i was doing a master's in population development okay Mm -hmm. and so i decided to do my thesis about um team sports and how they can help communities in in west africa Mm -hmm. and so that's how i ended up going to senegal and um, did an internship there, but actually in the end, it wasn't the internship that helped me for my thesis. It was, I, I wanted to continue playing. So I found a team in Dakar, which was actually the, they were the champions of Dakar, of uh, Senegal. And it was just to stay fit and to still continue playing, but I actually learned way more from, 
from playing with those girls for for a couple months than um, than my internship. And I also wow. lived with a family. Like I went through this um, this nonprofit that um, it's like it's called Tourisme Solidaire. So you you go and you live with a family, and so you you pay directly to the to the family. And that was also something that was amazing because you see like the insides of you're not staying in this big hotel or in these apartment buildings. You're mm. actually staying in this house with like 20 people, mm, and they're wow. all like in the same family, and it was very right. eye-opening. Yeah, yeah, because you're you're right in it. Um, what what are some of the things that you 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 stress the the things that you learned playing with the girls teams, and how much more you learned there? Can you touch on some of those things that you learned? Um, I think it was the love, the love and the passion they have for the game with having very, mm. very little. Mm. We would practice in these, um, it was like a sand pit, but to the sides, it was like very deep sand. And as you would get to the middle of the pitch, you could, uh, you could feel the cement under your, under your feet. Mm. So you'd see the, the, the context in which they're, they're playing, but the intensity and the, the the love that they they have and the passion that they have that they don't you know they don't they don't care where they play it's just as a ball there's a group we had practice every day mm-hmm. every day of the week like sometimes they give us off on Sunday but it was every day of the week they're not getting paid for it um, yeah I just found something there I, I some of them didn't speak French but we still bonded on just because there was a ball. Mm-hmm. And just because we we know how to give a pass or score a goal, like it, it was it was incredible. It felt like going back to basics. Mm-hmm. We tend to forget as as you go get higher in 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 the level, I guess, as you mm-hmm. get more professional, we tend to forget those basics, which are the group, which are sharing sharing something together. Um, and I think yeah, I got back to those those basics. Mm. all the while that's amazing discovering like how yeah how life is over there and how how good you have it how good we have right. it humbling experience yeah to say the least yeah. it seems like and how long did you live there for uh two months and a half two months and a half wow yeah and, and what so about to t- yeah, go go ahead, you got it I was just going to say to touch on uh, parts with your, I mean, we don't have to go too deep into your thesis, but I would love to, to talk about some of those findings or revelations between how sport can really impact social relations and, and how do you feel like that experience can impact in, in, in other social settings? Yeah, well, I mean, I basically discovered things that I already kind of figured mm-hmm. but i fell, i came upon this uh, thing that's called the navetan in senegal it's this uh, it's a local competition okay and like parallel to actually the national league but this thing it starts like very locally so in your neighborhood so maybe a couple neighborhood teams play against each other mm-hmm. and then it goes to a provincial then regional and then it ends in this uh, final like national tournament but again, it's not the it's not the national league. So I quickly discovered that there this thing is so it's so much in the heart of um, of neighborhoods of 
of these of Senegal, like everyone was part, mm -hmm. everyone is part of these organizations, uh, which it, it is centered around football, but there's also some, some neighborhoods that have basketball, some, some of them have theater. And basically when there's a game in your neighborhood, like the whole community would get together to like clean up the neighborhood, try and tr like clean up the streets. Uh, some people would like cook things or bring drinks or try and raise wow. money to go and get. And so everyone would like activate themselves around this. And that was basically what, what I, I guess kind of figured, but was not expecting to find this like gem of a, of a thing that was like this whole right. organization. Mm -hmm. that in the end more people go see these games when they're in like the regional finals and stuff than actually in the stadiums where the clubs play wow Which, uh, yeah it's and like the the um, older players like more ancient like there's a huge of course respect for 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 the el elderly and and the most respected are these these um, legends of of these games so when I had to find someone to talk to and interview, they would send me to these guys that were these these ancient legends of of like football legends, but in their own community like from these they, games. Yeah. Wow. So I think that would that is what represents most of my discovery is that. Yeah. Amazing. Do do you see that? Um... I've I read that you just wanted to to kind of explore this subject more. Um, I believe you said, I've seen firsthand how sports can impact lives and would love to work on projects that use the power of sports to make this world a better, happier, and peaceful place. Have you been able to use any of those things to, to uh, apply into another region or do you have hopes to do this in the future? Yeah, that's that's the hope. Definitely, I, I think I've put my university degree on hold for for too long because of this football career. Okay. And I definitely <laughs> want to go into that. I, I'm actually working on a project with a friend of mine who, um, she's she works with this uh, women's team, so for homeless women. Mm -hmm. Okay. This is a friend with whom I worked when I was working in the women's shelter, mm -hmm. and at that time we had actually started a team. Um, for these women and she mm -hmm. actually continued that uh, for these past years and it got quite big because there's a thing called the homeless cup in Belgium and, and, in, and in different countries as well and they they organized she went to the world cup like the ho world homeless cup and things like that and we're working on a project to to start our own um, our own non-profit um, with the same type of basis so directed at these women um, but also their children. So oh, mm -hmm. we're working on something like that, and and I think it's gonna it's gonna become a bit more concrete in the in the coming uh, months. So it's still yeah. still in the developing stages, or is there a name or anything? Because we would love to to plug and get this out as much as we can. I think it's an um, amazing idea. We have a name, but I I'm not gonna disclose it yet because um, fair, fair enough, not, yeah. Not officialized yet, but it, when it's official, I mean, I I'll definitely communicate it to you. Awesome, Please, yeah. It sounds amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, now, Sarah, here at Footwork, we like to, I mean, the podcast is kind of, you know, talking to people like yourself uh, who make their own path and do things maybe that's a bit against the grain. Um, what does make your own path mean to you? 
um, so against the grain, well, I guess being a woman, a woman in football in Belgium, um, in for my gen generation, mm -hmm. it was definitely against the grain. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess that's quite a hard question. <laughs> <laughs> or, how, let's let's. I guess I, I kind of. Uh... <laughs> I think, I, I think you could have done a little more explain. I think you could have done a little more explain. You threw it um, at her. What maybe what advice would you give to not necessarily your younger self, um, but say a, you know a sixteen year old girl looking to pursue their own path in something? What advice would you give to them? It doesn't have to be football. I think if you believe in it, I mean, it's going to sound sound really corny, but if yeah you got to listen to yourself and if you feel like that's where you have to be just just do it just do it 100 percent. and regardless of what people say but at the same time listen to what people have to say and answer answer them like because people will have maybe a negative image if it's really going you know completely against the grain that basically means yeah society hasn't really accepted it yet but do listen to what they have to say and try and find your answer to what they have to say. That'll help you move mm -hmm. forward as well. Um, don't ignore, don't ignore people that have negative things to say because they're, they're saying it because they're, they're a part of society, which you grew up in as well. But yeah, just, just, yeah, react, uh, listen to what people have to say, listen to the positive things as well. Like, like take it all in and, 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 and try and figure out with all those components where you want to go from there and what, what your inner you is actually saying to you. So yeah. I don't think there was, like there was I don't think there was anything corny about that at all. No? Okay. That was, no, a, that was great. The opposite you know, of corny. Amazing. <laughs> like my first words was like believe in yourself. That's like something you could read on a, <laughs> a, from a fortune cookie. Yeah. <laughs> so until next time. Keep moving forward. Keep learning. Make your own path. There you go. Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure. Footwork is sponsored by ourselves. Also, Kung Fitness and Merchant Designs, baby. Follow us on Instagram at footwork underscore podcast. Twitter is at footwork podcast. YouTube and Facebook, just check out footwork podcast. Search it. Email us if you need anything, any questions at footworkpodcast at gmail.com. And remember, plug, plug, Pass. Tell your parents, Amazon delivery guy, mailman, I don't know who, just tell them. Like, subscribe, review, all of it helps. Danke.